Welcome to the Armada podcast, where we are focusing in on DAO governance. Let's hop into the show. If you could start with who you are and what you're working on. I'm Tom. I'm a super community member at UMA. We're known as Super Umans, and I focus more on the project product management side of things. The community release dApps and claim portals for KPI options or range tokens or all sorts of cool new financial products that can be built on UMA. Previously, before this role I've been taking on, I was focused on rights and royalties management on blockchain technology for, for gaming, physical and digital sale of game assets. But yeah. How would you describe UMA just at this kind of high level? How do you explain it to friends who ask what you're working on? Give us kind of the, the simple version and then let's dive into the details. Sure. Yeah. So UMA is a bit more complex to understand and there's a lot of different ways you could describe it, but at a simple level, UMA stands for Universal Market Access. Our mission is to make financial contracts and universally accessible to anyone and everyone to create and invest in. And one of the so what we what really UMA is, it's two things. The first part of it is financial contract templates that could be ranged from templates to create call options. Um, synthetic assets, structured products, any sort of derivative, KPI options, just any type of financial product. It's going to be ever continually expanding, but those are just some of the the templates that we've got. And it's really easy to for anyone to use these templates to spin up new products. So it's it's quick and easy to do. And then backing those uh, templates is our Oracle system which is how you secure the funds on UMA. So at a very high level, a lot of contracts today rely on API feeds that continually push prices, price information on chain. And then that price information dictates if a position is going to be liquidated or not. We have a different approach that we think is a bit more uh, secure and flexible, which is our, opti- our Oracle system acts more optimistically. So. We don't, it doesn't push prices on chain every 15 seconds. It only pushes a price on chain if there's a dispute. So we have network actors that are continually, mostly bots, you could do it manually, that can dispute things that they think are wrong. And they're referencing their own off-chain price feeds. And if they're right, they get rewarded. If they're not, they get penalized. And what happens is UMA token holders are like the last resort court system. So if something gets disputed, it goes to the UMA token holders up for a vote. That would be at vote.umaproject.org, where everyone who holds UMA tokens could go and vote. And they're incentivized to vote because they get rewarded with more UMA tokens. But yeah, we've got a really unique Oracle solution that's tied to these financial contract templates that enables kind of anyone to whip up a new financial product at a high level. I hope that wasn't too deep, but. That was great. I'm assuming that the value of your guys' Oracle solution is is speed and and reduced cost because you bake in some of that trust at the protocol level. Right, and increased security for sure. What's really great about our Oracle solution is that it, it gives you the option and flexibility to slow things down. When the markets go crazy and there's a black swan event or whatever happens, you don't want trillions of dollars, say, locked up in DeFi contracts to be at the of an API feed that's pushing sure. data. It could be centralized. Who knows what? It's manipulable. You, you, you can manipulate it. But yeah, so it gives everyone the option to, hey, if stuff does get weird, we can slow it down. Someone can dispute it. 
we have, it's a 48 hour grace period where everyone comes to consensus. The UMA token holders would come to consensus on what would be the right way to, what should the price actually be? And everyone's incentivized through, what's cool is there, we, the system maintains a price, the profit from corruption and cost to corrupt. So the cost to corrupt is how much money could someone uh, steal from the contracts, how much money is locked in the contracts, or the, sorry, the cost to corrupt is how much it would cost to buy 51% of UMA tokens and vote and, you know, weigh the vote. And then there's the profit from corruption, which is how much money you could steal from the contracts. And we always, and it always makes sure that the cost to corrupt is always greater than the profit from corruption. Interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting mechanism to do it. it I don't know if this is a good example, but I'm, I'm thinking of some of those flash crashes in Coinbase and other exchanges throughout the years, especially in 2016, 17, 18 kind of ranges where there's this situation where the price says whatever the price is, either really high or really low, flash crash, uh, really low. And you know, there's that person whose assets were liquidated at a really crazy low price and someone had an option to buy and they bought it up at a bunch of price. And in some cases, Coinbase has said, hey, that was an error with us. And so we've, we've fixed it for all of the impacted parties. Is that a fair sort of like use case that really wouldn't happen backed on the UMA protocol, or at least I shouldn't say wouldn't happen, but if it did happen, you, your resolution path is different than a central authority, basically a Coinbase kind of saying, here's how we're going to fix this. Yeah, exactly. Like we, they have, the UMA token holders have kind of all discretion and there's guidance through what's called UMIPS that kind of tell uh, token holders how to vote or guidance to vote in certain situations or whatever. But uh, the community comes together and says, hey, if this happened, what, what should we all agree on? Even though this weird thing, weird dip or manipulation occurred, what's based on X number of other markets and other things, Sure. how can we make everyone, make it fair and whole for everyone? Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I, I think that was well explained and I could totally see the value of that. And I want to move, obviously, I think range tokens are, I'm not going to say all the rage because that's probably reserved for like the NFT hotness, maybe hot Dow summer. But I would say within kind of this deeper side of DeFi and, and DAOs for that matter, range tokens have been a popular topic since you guys uh, announced it. Can you talk a little bit about what range tokens are at a high level and then let's go deep yet again? Yeah, sure. So a range token is, you can think of it as convertible debt. So in the venture capital world, convertible debt allows companies to receive funding today without issuing equity upfront. And the range token is primarily for, we're targeting like treasury, Dow treasuries who have their governance token or native token. And they need to say they need to diversify their treasury or just want, yeah, diversify their treasury and borrow funds to, to use to pay other people or, or do whatever with. They can take that native token, use it as collateral to create a range token. And that range token is basically debt and it expires. It it'll have an expiry date. So say it expires, I don't know, three months from now. If the debt is not paid, the range token holder, so whoever would be purchasing the range token holder minted by the DAO, would be compensated with a, an equivalent amount of that collateral in that native token using whatever the settlement price of the native token is at that time. So if a native token is trading at, say, $25 at settlement, a $100, a $100 debt would be settled with four tokens. So there's a lot, there, there's 
like three kind of components to a range token. There's a yield dollar. So let's talk real quick about what a yield dollar is. So a yield dollar is a zero coupon bond. You could also think of it as just like a stable coin that expires. So what happens is a yield dollar would be issued and it'll expire at the end of the three months or, or whatever. And during that time up to expiry at that expiry date, it's going to be worth $1. But up to that time, it could be worth 96 cents or whatever. It can be traded on the market and people can buy it or whatever, and, and it earns a yield for them. So at expiry, they basically the range token is com comprised of a yield dollar. So the holders of the range token would be receiving this yield. So let's just say that would be, if it was issued at 96 cents, there would be, let's just say 24% yield at expiry just in that alone. And then the other cool aspect of the range token is it's got a yield, uh, a call option uh, and a put option. So this is where like the range comes in. I so see. yep, there's a min range and then there's a max range. And what's really great about range tokens is you don't need to monitor your position or uh, you, you have no risk of liquidation because the, the limits are bounded and there's a min and there's a max payout, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. And so... I think if I understand correctly, the value proposition you just outlined is predominantly for the buyer of the DAO's range token. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. They would receive this token and earn a yield on it. And based on where kind of the price of that governance token or protocol token falls, it could be a higher yield than the 24% I was talking about, or it could be a slightly lower yield. Sure. But Whatever it is, it's a way for treasuries to finance their operations or diversify their treasuries and get exposure to USDC without having to sell their token, which if they, if they think the token's going to go up, they really shouldn't be selling it. And it would be right. more advantageous for them to just keep it and do something like this. So if I had to really dumb this down, the value proposition to a buyer of a range token is that they're protected. They have this the kind of nice yield opportunity. There's some upside as well in, in that asset, I guess uh, I'll call it. Uh, and actually, before I go into the flip side, is that a fair encapsulation of the simple value prop to the buyer of the range token? Yeah. And it also, I'd say it creates like a unique risk profile for investors who believe in the long-term success of that project. So it's more suited for like more passive investors who are willing to buy or it's, yeah, it's more suited for investors who are willing to buy the actual token on a significant sell-off and then earn yield while waiting in that range. And then the value proposition for the DAO is to give a, a some diversification of their treasury, but I, I, I imagine at least the ones that are trying to build the treasury, it's about getting back some capital in some way for them to achieve their goals while not selling their token flat out, but also giving people upside in, in buying these range tokens is how close is that to? Yeah. The value yeah and I just like, yeah, I just emphasize that they it allows them to actually utilize that native token to borrow funds without even having to worry about their funds getting liquidated or managing that whole kind of messy process sometimes. So yeah, it's a, it's an easy way for DAOs or anyone to, to borrow their funds and diversify their treasury or fund their operations and do lots of cool things with. Yeah, it's a really interesting, I suppose middle ground is the best word I can think of offering something in between. And, and there's a really great article that I'm going to put in the show notes as well on the Open DeFi blog post and just thinking about debt and equity and something somewhere in between. And it strikes me that these range tokens are somewhere in the middle, which 
you know, depending on where you're trying to do financially, it feels like it's such a unique option. I love things in the middle. I'm a big gray person. I love gray. I hate black and white in that regard. So it just strikes me as yeah. more freedom is more opportunity. For sure. And are there any, as you think about range tokens and their applications, aside from what we just outlined, is there, is there like a world in the future that ranged, are there opportunities to modify the core variables of the range tokens that sort of make almost a new pseudo kind of child products to that? Or is the range token baked and then any sort of anything that might slide up or down that scale of equity is an entirely new product? I don't know if that question makes sense, but it's like teasing at the future of, of range tokens if you have any visibility into that. Yeah, you, yeah, there's certainly aspects to it that you can pull apart and you could tweak to make different types of more like structured products too. It's a very flexible product and it's going to be really exciting to see what else, you know, you can do with it. This is just the beginning. One kind of use case or problem area that we're trying to solve, help treasuries diversify their funds and, and get access to capital without selling our, their, their native token. But totally, I see a world where that's gonna evolve to. Yeah, and how do you, do you guys put forth recommendations on treasury blends or is the protocol far more agnostic to that of like, hey, here's the tools, you do whatever the hell you want. And obviously there's organizations like Llama that comes to mind of helping manage and think about the strategy of the treasury. But do you guys, it's like, hey, here's the tool, you guys do whatever you want with it. Yeah, we don't, we are not currently doing that, that more advising in, in that nature or tools to mm -hmm. advise on how much you should diversify, but not to say something like that won't come up in the future, but right now it's just more the infrastructure. Hey, here's these tools you can use, go create awesome financial products that will help you in all sorts of ways. Yeah, absolutely. And just because, um, I, f I feel like asking, I guess is the general idea here is that if you guys make these awesome templates and these tools uh, that basically people are just buying into the protocol, which obviously is driving up the, the value of the protocol as a whole. It, it makes, if I understand this correctly, there's really, there's not like a fee-based approach or anything like that. It's just use these awesome things and built on this amazing protocol and the protocol grows and, and everyone wins just like in classic DAO fashion. Yeah. Yeah. And then. I don't know if you want to chat about KPI options, but that, that's it, like yeah. a whole nother. Let's hear yeah. about it. Yeah, so KPI options are, what, what really excites me about KPI options is because it's one of the first really different new types of financial products that, in my opinion, didn't really exist in the traditional financial world. So a KPI option stands for a key performance indicator option. Essentially, it's just a way for, it's a new incentive mechanism based on, you can define a metric or a goal or objective you want to hit, say you're a protocol, a really good example is you're a protocol and you want to grow your TVL, that's your metric or key performance indicator. Instead of just, you can rally your community or whoever you want to airdrop these KPI options to, to help achieve or obtain that objective. And if, it, and if you do hit that objective, it can be uh, variable or uh, conditional. So it could be like, if we hit the objective, then everyone gets paid out this much. If we don't hit the objective, no, everyone gets nothing. Or based on if the TVL is a billion dollars, you get this much. If it's 500 million, you get this much. It's really meant for teams who have a like live trading token, or even if they don't have a live trading token yet, but will in the future to grow their community. And instead of just airdropping tokens to community members, you can attach on this kind of more 
economic incentive to them that will rally everyone to want to achieve that objective. You can think of it as like a smart airdrop. So the problem with an airdrop is you just, you have a lot of sell pressure and people don't really care about, they probably just go and sell it for whatever, or maybe some people keep it. But with this method, you can airdrop KPI options for whatever you want to achieve. And then over however long of six months, three months, you can define it however you, you can track whatever you'd like to track. And People, Uma, we launched a KPI option on our TVL, and it was basically a variable payout. If the TVL hit, I think, $2 billion, which was certainly a stretch, each KPI option, so you would receive one token, or I think we airdropped, and most people would receive like eight or 10 or something per per thing that deemed them they would get some options, would be worth 20 Uma tokens. And then based on where the TVL is, I think it... I think each one was, I forget what the exact payout was, but I think it was like point, it didn't grow that much, but it was like at the end of it, point like three UMA tokens per KPI option, but yeah. And so the KPIs, I think you made a comment that it's best suited for kind of market-driven protocols is could it, I shouldn't say could it, because anything's really possible, but how micro level of a KPI can it? technically take? Does it have to be something on an exchange type deal, like these kind of big macro numbers, or can it be as small KPIs? I'm thinking of a product management and, and nailing conversion within your product for a month and decentralizing something like that. Like how narrow yeah. or large can this KPI be? Yeah, I could really see these KPI options doing being more of those micro tasks and how teams get work done in a more decentralized fashion. And based on the performance of what they delivered or whatever it is would be what they get paid. So it ensures quality in their work and it's a cool little incentive mechanism. It could also be transferred to more of the physical, which would be a little bit different, but say you wanted to, I don't know, track, this is probably a bad example, but let's just say you wanted to make a street, not have so much trash on it or something. I don't know. It's over like the course of X days. I don't know who would be reporting that at the end of the day. That would, it's probably a really bad example, but it will emerge like merge into the physical world too in in some form or fashion to which would be exciting to see yeah i think a lot about the kind of kpis and thinking about how do we solve some of the multi-sig problems right it's a hey this product team builds this thing in a decentralized way and let's just say that they are working off of a grant slash bounty you know uh, setup where some sort of hybrid they've been granted X amount and they're going to go achieve this. We're going to build a successful sales funnel or whatever it is. It would be nice to be able to tie that back to some Oracle driven KPI that drives some sort of upside on it. And I think an option's an interesting vehicle to do that. But it does feel like there's this piece that's a little under talked about in the space right now, where generally speaking, that's going to either go to a multi-sig and the multi-sig is going to make some sort of decision in some sort of centralized way. It might be a decentralized process, but execute in a centralized you know, grouping, or it's going to be in some sort of broader flat token holder, uh, maybe like rejection or something like that. They go to claim that in the broader communities, like no, which doesn't feel very practical either. So uh, I like this in-between space, but appreciate yeah. you taking through that. Yeah. And, and I just, it's really cool because it really helps grow your community as well. It kind of gives your members or whoever you airdrop it to a, an objective or a job to kind of tackle and they're going to get paid more if everyone kind of works as a team and then gets it done. Absolutely. I appreciate you joining the show and taking us through everything. If you could remind people uh, where to find you and thanks again. 
Yeah. Hop into the UMA Discord. That's discord.umaproject.org. We've got a few channels, KPI option channel or range token channel or anywhere. Uh, I'd encourage everyone to join and be a super UMAN if you want to be more involved and get more hands-on and, and be a part of the community in a more significant way. And yeah, or you can find me on Twitter at four, the, the number 4WDThink. So forward think. Yeah. Great to be on the show. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Armada podcast. We would greatly appreciate a review in your favorite podcast player. And if you want to stay in the loop even further, head to armada.fm where we have a repo. You can check out what we're doing and what we're learning along the way. Love to see you there. Thank you.